0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Raising His Kids, a podcast for stepmoms. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren, a child-free stepmom of one, hoping for an hour's baby soon.
1: And I'm Tony, a bio mom of two and a stepmom of two. We are two stepmoms who, although we live at opposite ends of the world, quickly bonded over how we all deal with the same Karen as we navigate our lives raising his kids. Welcome back to another episode of Raising His Kids. It's Tony and I'm flying solo tonight, but I am thrilled to have Jocelyn back on the podcast as my guest. Jocelyn and I recently discovered another common bond between us, aside from both of us being stepmoms. Both of us are parents to neurodivergent children, with all three of my boys being diagnosed neurodivergent and her stepson also diagnosed. This is a topic that is close to our hearts and something we are both deeply invested in. Welcome back, Jocelyn, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So I feel like last time we spoke, we focused on like your stepdaughters. I didn't realize you had a stepson as well. I thought you just had stepdaughters and your bio son.
0: No. So I actually have two stepsons, one stepdaughter, right. um, and then my bio son. Right. For some reason, yeah, I thought so you had three boys two. And one girl.
1: I had it all wrong. I thought you had two yeah. girls and your bio son. So I had it all wrong. <laughs>
0: No, I wear a house full of boys. Ellie and I are the only girls and we love it that way. So, (laughs) Mm.
1: Miss Kay and I are the only girls. Mm -hmm. That's great. But before we dive into our conversation, I want to take a moment to share and help our listeners understand what the term neurodivergent means, as I received Mm -hmm. quite a few messages asking for clarification. And I guess if you're not in the world, you don't understand the term Mm -hmm. because most...
0: Well, I think it's a new term. I think yeah. it's a new term because I think my sister who is neurodivergent would have way back when, when it was, when she was diagnosed, it was, that was not the term, that was not the coin term. They didn't use that term. So I think it's a relatively new term, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's kind of cool and go ahead. I'll let you. Talk about it, but I think it's a great term.
1: Yeah. Well, that leads me directly into the next part that I was going to say, which is neurodivergent is an umbrella term used to describe individuals who have neurological differences or variations in brain function that may result in atypical cognitive, sensory, emotional, or behavioral patterns. It's important to recognize that these differences are part of the natural diversity in human neurological functioning and should be accepted and embraced. However, it's essential to note that not all individuals with specific conditions, such as ADHD or ASD may personally identify as neurodivergent as self-identification as a personal matter. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I personally discuss with Big K and his therapist helped me explain. Like he doesn't have to tell anyone. You know, personally for him, his father's like not speaking about it. So in my household, he talks about it. In mm-hmm. that household, he doesn't. But it doesn't take away from who he is.
0: Well, And I think there's been such a, I don't know, stigma maybe around Mm -hmm. being neurodivergent and not actually using that term, because like I said, that's a relatively new term, but using ADHD or Mm -hmm. ADD or what is now ASD, which used to be called Asperger's or autism or being on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. I feel like having that diagnosis was such a negative connotation. Whereas now I don't think, I think having that phrase is really trying to transition that stigma because I don't think it, I mean, back when I was growing up, when my sister was diagnosed with ADD, it was, you know, she, I mean, the stigma behind it was that she was not smart. She, Mm -hmm was all messy. She couldn't be, she was not organized. And now I think when you have that diagnosis, it's more like, okay, how can we help you be mm-hmm. the best version of yourself when your brain functions differently? Right? Right. Um, so yeah, I, lo- I love the term because I think it really is just, and I, and and it's anything my, my friend who is, she just recently found out that she's dyslexic, but not yep. in the sense that she can't read or write, which was what I always thought dyslexia was. Mm-hmm. It's that when there's a bunch of words on a screen, like page screen, whatever her brain like takes the words and kind of like mixes them together. So it takes her longer for her brain to process that word she can read that word it's not that mm-hmm. she can't read that word but seeing all those words together her it, it her brain is like okay i need to focus on this one word and process what that word is oh yeah once okay what's once okay upon upon so it's like which is so interesting to me because i thought it, dyslexia was like she couldn't not her but i thought that you yeah. couldn't read and write and that's not it at all <laughs>
1: So what you described is also known as hyperlexia, where you can read and you can read well, but you don't understand the word. So that that was something that I learned when I was going through all the diagnosis for all three of the boys. Um, We were kept out of the loop with some of the diagnosis with the other boys, but like it was initiated because of concerns we raised. Like for example, Big J was eight years old and I'd given him a book for his birthday and he couldn't read it. And it was a book for his age group. It was a picture book, small words, couldn't read it. And I said to my husband, I was like, that's really concerning.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so he was pushing Biomum, And she's like, he's fine. His teachers say he's fine, blah, 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 blah. The following year, she moved the kids' schools without my husband's permission. But anyway, she did it. And the new school picked up on the fact that he was so far behind. Mm -hmm. And we're still going down the dyslexia route for him. But he's actually been diagnosed with combination ADHD that is predominantly inattentive. So he still has mm-hmm. the hyperactivity and the impulsivity, but he is mostly inattentive. He's also been diagnosed with an intellectual impairment, but his impairment isn't so low that he can't learn. He's like right on the border. Mm-hmm. And even then I feel like I'm still the only one fighting. I'm the one meeting at the school. And my husband would be, but he's he's working. It's the dynamic right. of our family, right? I, do, right? I do I do the typical, stereotypical mother at
0: home. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel sometimes the boy's mother feels like I'm overstepping, but I'm doing it because if I don't do it, who's going to do it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. our situation. I mean, I, I, the first time I met him, my stepson, I knew he was different and not mm-hmm. in a bad way. I just, he was different than any other child I had been around and I've been around lots of children mm-hmm. and for his age, right? And I think sometimes as a parent, when there's... So like, for example, my mom thinks Declan has a speech problem. Mm -hmm. He's three, almost four. She's like, you need to get him seen by, and I have, he's been seen by a speech therapist, but she's like, you need to do it again. And as a parent- you're like, no, they're fine, right? My son's fine. But when they're not your biological child, and this is not all parents. So like if you're a mom, a biological mom and you're listening and you're like, I'm not that way. I'm not this is not a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. But generally as a step mom, when you come in to a a marriage with kids, you are automatically looking at the children differently, right? You're meeting them for the first time. There's things that you see that the other parent doesn't necessarily see because they're with them 24 seven and they've grown with them. So that's just, that's how they've always been. Right. And so I, I mean, even my oldest who I have pushed for speech from like the moment I met him, he was six, but even my husband was like, oh, well, that's how I pronounced my R's and I grew out of it. And I'm like, yeah, but it's so much more. That's not. And and so it was like these things of like, you're pushing for it, but because they're so close to the situation, it's almost as if like, well, you don't really know what you're talking about. Right. And of course, our oldest ended up, he's in speech because he's now seventh grade and there are, finally, there was a teacher that was like, and it was via zoom. It wasn't COVID happened. And I had written to a teacher, which that's something we should talk about. Like, and we can touch on it later is you, if you want your children to be obsessed, uh not obsessed. If you want <laughs> assessed, if you want your child to be assessed, um, everything needs to be documented. You have yeah. to put it in writing. Everything needs to be put in writing. So I had put in writing that I wanted him to be seen by a speech therapist. He got seen. The speech therapist kind of like brushed it off, which was really annoying. And then when we changed schools and we were via Zoom because COVID, his teacher said, I can only understand about 50% of what he says via Zoom. I think he needs to see a speech therapist. And let me tell you, I was like, "Praise Jesus, hallelujah!" I've been Mm -hmm. telling y'all from day one. Like, so he did. He and he does because his teacher really couldn't understand him via Zoom. So it's—I guess I say all that to say, as a stepmom, when we come into the situation, sometimes we see it differently than the parent. And I can understand how the parent is quick to say, "There's no problem. Mm -hmm. That's just how they've always been. You don't know what you're talking about." But I encourage you to just be firm in how you feel about that, because that's yeah. for both of my stepkids. That's how it was. And I was the one who pushed, I pushed for the 504. I pushed to be assessed for um, the IEP. Like I did that because I wanted them to have the best opportunity available to them moving forward in, in, in their school, you know? Yeah. Just to clarify,
1: does an IEP in America mean the same thing it does in Australia, like an individual like education plan? Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. I just just wanted to clarify. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So IEP, um, individual education plan, and then 504 is, so like, for example, uh, we ended up having Joshua assessed for um, an IEP and they decided that he didn't need one, which we can discuss this at a later time, Mm -hmm. but um, it, They said that a 504 would be sufficient, which also like an IEP follows you throughout your education. But a 504 is you don't need to be pulled out of a classroom for, so an IEP, you're being pulled out of the classroom for a specific thing like speech. That would be an IEP. You're going to go see a specific therapist, teacher, whatever for a specific area And the school provide that. 504 is like, he needs a fidget spinner at his desk. Um, and because he is, you know, hyperactive and so he'll tap his knee all the time or his foot all the time. So he needs a band at the base of his chair to hit Mm -hmm. the band versus the floor. Right. Yep. So those are, those are the difference of 504 versus the IEP. Um, and, and what is needed for your child to be successful.
1: Right. Okay. So, little differences in Australia. So, Big K's only just been assessed this year, but they had already. Where I am in Australia, too, in Queensland, it might differ from different states. But Education Queensland have already introduced that children don't need to be have a an official diagnosis. They don't need a verified diagnosis anymore for like little, slight changes to be made. So, Big K was already given opportunities to use fidgets and. Um, his teachers were giving him extra time to complete his work because he's like an obsessive perfectionist that he can do the work, but he wasn't doing it at the level required because he was trying to make it perfect the first time. Mm-hmm. So the schools are able to do things like that. But if you're not vocal and you're not putting yourself out there with the school, the school's not going to do anything. Right. I'm pretty sure that's worldwide. If you're not an yeah. involved parent, the teachers aren't going to do it and your kid's going to just fall behind. So you do need yeah. to be active with it. But I did want to go back to just explaining how you said before that the different terms of neuro mm-hmm. diversity. So just a couple that we've already touched on, which is ASD, which is autism. ADHD, it covers dyslexia, dyspraxia, Tourette's, intellectual impairments, uh, learning disorders, and even giftedness, where you've got a gifted child because obviously not everyone is neurotypical and sometimes we don't have the impairments. We don't have the difficulties You can have a gifted child that's classed as neurodiverse as well. And the other thing that I wanted to touch on was that they no longer use the term ADD across the world now. So it's no longer attention deficit disorder, it's all ADHD. And then you have the three subcategories, which is inattentive, then you have hyperactivity, impulsivity, as well as combinations. So combinations is when you've got everything, like I said before, where the child has everything and they use the same scoring card across the world, which is the DSM-5. And the other thing that I wanted to touch on is that historically it's shown that boys are diagnosed higher than girls, which is another reason why a lot of women our age have gone through their childhood and their teenage years and they're becoming mothers or stepmothers. And all of a sudden their tools and tricks that they've used to help them no longer work. And it's because they're actually neurodivergent and they didn't know. Because little girls weren't the same as naughty little boys back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did want to just talk about the fact that when I was going through the process for Big K, I started it because I noticed that he was having some of the challenges that I was having at school. Mm. So I was an A grade student through half the first half of my junior years of primary school. And then I started failing. hmm And it came to, so I was really lucky. So he started in 2020 in prep when it was COVID. That's the first year of school here. And the equivalent to A's for, you know, because I think that's your kindergarten there. So he was getting really high grades. Right. Then he had the same teacher um, that he had in prep, he had in year two. And she called me down to the class one day and she said, something's wrong. He's failing. He's getting D's. So this isn't work that he's like, I know he's capable of more he's capable Mm. of better. And she was the first one to give him extra time to complete the work. And that's when I started the process. And I just, the more things came up and I was like, I, I'd always been, I always thought there was something there, but doctors always told me it was trauma based from him and I being victims of DV. Mm. And so I was basically told that my theories that he had autism was all in my head basically. And So I pushed for him to have the ADOS assessment and the DSM-5, and it came back with a straight up. So he has no hyperactivity, impulsivity. It is straight up. He is inattentive ADHD. And I believe that the autism is probably from my side of the family, and because I definitely think that I'm an undiagnosed neurodivergent, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to see my kids struggle the way that I struggled. Through school, and I still struggle now. After having kids, things got worse. Mm-hmm. And when I told my parents that my son was diagnosed with inattentive ADHD and autism, my mother's response was, "Fuck off! He doesn't have ADHD. He's not a bad kid."
0: And that's exact. And that's exactly it, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly why. It, I mean that that's it, right there, because that's the exact opposite. Yeah. And I said, "How her, it is?"
1: I said to her, "I said instead of picking out problems." How about you say, good on you for doing better than I did? And then she turned to, oh, so it's all my fault. Blah, 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 blah. I said, no, it's not your fault. You did the best with what you had, but you should be able to praise me for doing better because now we know better.
0: Right, right. And so it's interesting because my mom, who's a teacher, um, she didn't become a teacher until later in life. I was 12, I think, and she went back to school to get her teaching credential. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was older when she went back, um, as was my sister. And when she started going through the process of getting her teaching credential, she saw things differently than she did when she didn't have her teaching credential. And actually, that's how my sister got diagnosed because my mom realized like this is she was messy, she was not organized, um, she would hyper focus on one thing. And you literally, you could be standing right here, right here, saying her name right next to her. And she, if she was in something, she was in it. And that was it. Yeah. Um. So my mom started realizing all these things. Cause right. That's what they teach you as a teacher to be aware of these things. And that's yeah. how my sister became diagnosed was because my mom was getting her teaching credential. And so it's just, and I, and she realized that it's not a bad coin thing. I mean, it's Mm -mm. this is who she is as a person. Now let's get her the tools she needs to be successful. And she is. My sister is like works for the local government as like an ad executive admin. Like her Mm -hmm. responsibility is to be organized for everyone. And how do you have like you know, my sister in elementary school versus now. There's, I would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, she can't even keep her room clean, and it's not. And now her house is clean, but she was given the tools she needs, right, right. to be able to be a high functioning, successful adult, mm-hmm. and just like any child, right? That's the whole point of raising children is to give them the tools they need. And so it's just so interesting that that's how your mom responded because I think that literally embodies how society has thought about neurodivergent Mm -hmm. kids and people in general and being able to shift that that process.
1: Yeah. Well, my mom recently stayed with me. She stayed with me this week for a couple of nights to help out with the kids. And I said to her, I said, mom, you need to stop thinking about it negatively. I said, because I'm going to tell you point blank, you're autistic as fuck. I said, and I only see it now as an adult that I understand it. I said, you are autistic. You have ADHD. And I tried to explain things and she'd be like, I was never like that. I said, mom, you would have baskets of washing laying around the house for weeks. Right. I said, that's neurodivergent to a T. I said, and it makes sense because your mother used to pack her bags and run away from her family because she was so overstimulated. She had five kids. Wow. Yeah. Like, and that's the generational trauma, right? And I know this episode wasn't about generational trauma, but like, I see it now. Like two Mm -hmm. of my female cousins, one has been assessed and diagnosed with ADHD and the other is going through the process to be diagnosed with autism because we see all this stuff now. Right. And it just... The more I see it, and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm understanding it. My, I have four kids. There's so many times that I wish that I would pack my bags and run away. Mm-hmm. My nan lived in a small country town. She was raising five kids, and her husband worked away. So, Gosh. and when he'd come home, she would have pissed off and left right. five kids to like right. fend for themselves. That is a neurodivergent person mm-hmm. that's not supported. And then you think about it through the generations. So that's my grandmother. Then you have my mother. And then you have me, and then I recognized the struggles in my son, and went, I want to do better for you. Yeah, and I'm hell of a, uh, I'm really aware that Miss K is also probably neurodivergent because she displays the exact same behavior I did as a child, which is mm-hmm. exactly the same as little J's. Mm-hmm. And we're and gonna, and that's
0: c- breaking generational curse.
1: That's it. So yeah, I've already spoken about the process for Big J and a little bit for Big K, but I haven't spoken about Little J, which that was a real struggle for us to get a diagnosis. So I saw the behaviors early on. He would have extreme meltdowns. He couldn't self-regulate. He had learning difficulties. And I said to my husband, I said, I believe he's autistic. And I'd been around other children and I said, I, I think he, he could be autistic. And at first my husband's like, don't be ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. He's always been this way. There was a lot of pushback. And it took a good four years, I want to say, before my husband took it seriously. And it took for him to push Miss Kay across our hallway from one end to the other, which was about two meters. And she smashed her head into the corner of like the doorframe. And that was it. After that, he was like, there is something seriously wrong with this kid. What is it? Like he couldn't even control himself with his baby sister. It would have been about three years before that happened. And then it took another year. We'd already been saying things that, you know, he needs to be assessed and everything like that. And it happened during the time we were going through court. So our solicitor had gotten the judge to sign off that we could take him to a pediatrician to be assessed. So we had the referral, we had the appointment booked, but then all of a sudden she was like, no, 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 I'm going to take over this. So she went and got her own referral to a different pediatrician. We just had our doctor write a referral to the same pediatrician because obviously I knew that our notes would be different Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: she'd been telling us that there's nothing wrong with him. She even, a comment that you said earlier about how people think children who are neurodivergent aren't smart. Mm -hmm. And she'd said that there's nothing wrong with little Jay. He's a smart boy, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. He was smart. He still had learning difficulties that he was smart in other ways, but he also had a very aggressive, violent nature to him. And I started seeing a lot of, and this isn't a neurodivergent one, it's more of a behavioral issue, the, mm. the signs of ODD, oppositional defiance disorder. And I'd seen all that. So came to this pediatrician appointment that she arranged to see as pediatrician and it was during COVID. So if you had any type of cold, you couldn't attend. So my husband and I, disappointingly enough, we were both sick, so we had to attend over the phone. And basically, as soon as I brought up to the pediatrician that us and the school thought that there was signs of ASD and ODD on top of ADHD, he turned to her and said, well, what do you think? And he said, because the mother says it's not there, I'm going to rule against it.
0: Wow.
1: Mm. then two years later, he sends a depressive text message to his mother because for people who don't know, autistic children take a lot of things literally. And Big Big J is just fed up with his behavior, basically. Big J is fed up with little J's behavior and he turned around and said to him, why can't you be normal? What is wrong with you? You used to be a happy kid. Right. So, this text message that he sent to his mother was, Mom, I wish I was happy like when I was two. So, all of a sudden, she's gone. He's depressed. We just went with it because it meant that she agreed that he could see a psychologist.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And our first assessment, like first initial intake appointment, we, you know, we spoke about a lot of things. I didn't lay it on real thick. I just, spoke about things and the psychologist said, we need to do further assessments. Mm -hmm. Assessments that the pediatrician refused to do, right? And then at our separate intake appointment, because the intake appointment was with all four parents, the first one, then we did a separate one. And I laid it on thick and I explained everything. And I said how we thought he had autism as well as ADHD, as well as ODD and You can't fake an assessment, right? And I think this is one of our questions. Like, People are really concerned that parents are going out there to get these diagnoses, but you can't fake an assessment. There's actual assessments. You can't fake it. You list the kids' behaviors and the doctors come back and give you the results. And it it came back that little J was ASD2, combination, Mm -hmm. ADHD, predominantly hyperactive impulsive and oppositional defiant disorder. So then we weren't told about the pediatrician appointment that it took to take the psych's evaluation to and he didn't rule on the oppositional defiant disorder because biomum didn't want him to.
0: Mm.
1: And like, well, at least it's on the assessment and the treating psychologist is the same psychologist that did the assessment. Right. So she's treating so those they're where? Right. Yeah. But yeah, so that's where we got with that. And I just I wish I was at that appointment with the pediatrician because and I had to speak to him a few weeks later because you know, Byron was refusing to hand over medication and stuff like that. And oh, yeah, on. it's it's her control thing. So it's like of if we course. don't do what she wants, she's not gonna give do what we want. And this time it happened to be that we needed medication. And I asked him the question while I was on there. I said, Why didn't you do it? And he goes, Oh, well, it's not really necessary. I said, It's not necessary. Like his treating physicians need to know that it exists. And I kind of wanted to say in your face, I'm not a doctor. I'm a mom with an instinct who looked a lot of shit up on Google.
0: Yeah. Well, and in my experiences or in my experience, I don't have plural, but Mm -hmm. in my experience, I think pediatricians are really hesitant to diagnose. Mm -hmm. And um, I found... so. I guess a little bit of our story, um, with it's my middle step son. Mm -hmm. And I, I love how you use, you know, little, like big J like I like, I should have done that from the beginning, but I don't, everyone knows it's my son, Joshua. (laughs) Like, well, we, where we're at I like it but I should have done that from the beginning <laughs> I
1: had to keep the kids privacy they're not my biological children right and even my biological son I didn't want to cause problems with his father so right to, to keep it's their privacy smart. but you know it kind of complicates things when my husband named his first two children with the same letter and coincidentally yeah. we named like Miss K starts with a K and so does big K so it, it kind of goes yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love it. I should have done from the beginning, but I didn't. So everyone knows it's my son, Joshua. And he, God, he is the sweetest boy you will ever meet. And when I tell you he is crazy in tune to people's emotions, he mm-hmm. really is. Like, he just reads people very well. I, from the very beginning, like I said, knew he was special. He would just do things like very impulsive and you know the first few times I brought it up to the pediatrician it was well he's you know this is normal behavior for a kindergartner and I'm like mm, is it though like yeah. um but okay so we did this like game where we went round and round from kinder to about second grade and actually yes no third grade I think. Yeah. So third grade. So kindred a third. Finally at third, I was like, okay, so we're still seeing these behaviors and even more it was. So like, for example, if uh, the microwave, you know, like if you don't pull something out of the microwave, it like beeps to remind you, Mm -hmm. he would lose his ever loving mind. If that was happening, he would be like, what is that? That needs to stop some. And it was not like, oh my gosh, that's annoying. It was like, what is it? Make it stop. Why is it doing that? Make it turn it off. Undo that like panic, panic, panic. Mm-hmm. Or if there was like a, like a trash truck, like mm-hmm. the beeping of the trash truck, he'd be plugging his ears. He'd be panicking. Why is it making that noise? And you're like, buddy, it's that's the trash truck or a, something's reversing. It's that beeping. Um, one year we were decorating for Christmas and Ellie had cut a ton of snowflakes and like paper snowflakes Mm -hmm. and she was putting them all over the house with tape and he came downstairs and lost his mind and needed them to be taken off the walls they can't be here please take them off like panic and I'm like this is just not normal behavior right so things Mm -hmm. that are like not in the norm he freaks out um he was very impulsive um like would push me out of the way to be the first one to come into the house. If like I was unlocking the door and then he'd like push me out of the way and come in first and Mm -hmm. not because he's needed to be the first one in the house, but because he's not aware of what he's doing. Right. It's that Mm -hmm. impulsive. I want to get in the house. And no spatial (laughs) awareness. Not at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. So his teacher would notice that he would push to be the first in line. So like, you know, like when they all line up at recess, and he would push kids out of the way to be the first in line. And again, like not because he needed to be the first in line, but just because he didn't understand that that's just not that's not what we do. That's not like appropriate behavior. And so just I mean, and there's so much more like I could unpack. light sensitivity if there's any light coming into his room at night he it's and then and and I think the thing is like oh that light is annoying so you and I would be like oh where's that light coming from let me Mm -hmm. close the door for him it's like there's a light coming in my room I can't sleep why is there a light who who has the light on where is this light coming from how do I get like it's like panic See, funny um, you
1: say that because Big K is like that. He mm-hmm. he has a very soft nightlight, which eventually he just turns it off, right? So he has it on to help him, like, get sleepy. Then he turns it off. But Little J and Miss K need their rooms lit up like a freaking Christmas tree.
0: Well, but see, here's the opposite. He has um, LED lights, mm-hmm. and he'll put those on, like an LED, mm-hmm. like it's a disco party in his room. But... If there's a door, if the door is open or if there's a light in the Just hallway crack, coming yeah. in, that is, that stresses him out. But the LED lights, like he's like living in a club, yeah, totally fine. It's, and it's bizarre. I'm like, I don't know how you sleep like this. I, I guess but that's that sensory processing. In, exactly because of the running lights for him. I, it, and it's like, not just like LED lights. They like, it's like, they run like uh think oh, Like Christmas wow. lights that move mm-hmm. they, it, they run like the lights are like moving. And for him, it's totally fine, but a hallway light coming in mm-hmm. will set him off. And so there was just all these little things. Um, and finally, uh, I was like, he needs to see a psychologist. And we finally got the pediatrician to, to um, write a referral. And mm-hmm. immediately she was like, oh, yeah, definitely ADHD, without a doubt. Um, yeah. And she thought he could be um, or, or not she thought, but she said that he could be slightly ASD, but not mm-hmm. enough to where she would need to diagnose it. Um, And and I think this is important for readers to know. Um, A lot of neurodivergent people have multiple things, right? It's not just like ADHD and that's it. Generally it's, and I know we don't say ADHD, but just for layman's terms, generally, if you have ADHD or attention deficit, like if you have that, chances are you have a combination of something else. And Mm -hmm. so-
1: it's um, also genetic.
0: So that's what I was actually going to get to. Is okay. That, so it's when we were talking about, you know, being on the spectrum or ASD, mm-hmm. th- there is no medication. First of all, there's no medication for that. So, no, so autism, no And Correct. I think that's. There's that, no medication.
1: Yeah. That's for... something that I find a lot of people get confused about. They think, Correct. and we've had this issue with Mom. She wants to keep upping Little Jay's medication to dull his autistic traits. Like his stimming and stuff. And right. it's like okay, sometimes yes, he has need medic like medication adjustments because his behavior, like his violent behavior, has gotten out of control. But you can't medicate an autistic child that you can give them right. therapies to help them learn to be a bit more neurotypical and to help them?
0: Yes. And the word you want to use is occupational therapy, occupational therapy. So if you are, um, if your child has that, or your stepchild has that, the word that you want to use and specifically request is occupational therapy, not like you're seeing a therapist. This is Mm -hmm. stuff that will help them. So like the impulsiveness of pushing mm-hmm. someone out of the way, right? So you're going to, they'll work with them on that. So that's <laughs> the the term, but there is no medicine for ASD. There, there's no medicine you can take. So when we finally got him diagnosed, I was hesitant to put him on medication, but I knew uh, he needed it. Um, and this is like a whole other thing we can get into. Well, Um, we
1: got some questions about that too.
0: Oh, perfect. So um, I did a lot of research uh, regarding it. And I really, for me, and I, this, I would never tell anyone what to do with their child. And I'm not a doctor or psychologist Mm -hmm. or any of that, but if it really boiled down for me, if Joshua had, if he was diabetic, mm-hmm. would yes, di- people with diabetes, they have to watch what they eat. And we very much do that with Joshua. He's on a pretty strict food diet. Well, he is with us. He's not in the other right. one, which is I something getcha. we can discuss. But if he was diabetic, yes, we would watch what we eat, but would we not give him insulin? Right. And you you wouldn't. If you are a diabetic, you need to take insulin. So why is this any different? Because there's a stigma around taking medication. And I also want to point out that the medication has come so far, leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to know that it's not one type fits all when it comes to medication. So we started Joshua off with a specific medication and it was not working. Mm -hmm. He was agitated. It made him mad and angry he actually would re- react, like he would respond and like hit and it was just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so immediately I called the doctor and I was like, this, he went from this to like a really bad extreme. I'd almost rather him be back to like the nothing, like just whatever. And she was yeah. like, okay, well then that's obviously not the right medication. So yeah. we tried a couple other ones and we found one that works. And I, you know, I think people are like, oh, ADHD Adderall, you're basically taking a Adderall. And it's like, no, that's really not it. And there's a lot of medications that the one he is on um, doesn't stay in his system. So, yeah. if he, like, for instance, if he didn't, if he took it one day and forgot to take it the next, it's not gonna, he's not gonna like spiral because mm-hmm. it is a short <laughs> process. It's out of his system yeah. by the end of the evening. And that's something that I do notice. So, it really is made to help him when he needs it most, and when does he need it right. most? When he's at school, right? And so it's it takes it in the morning. It lasts about eight hours, maybe ten. But towards the end of the evening, I can see those like impulsive behaviors starting to mm-hmm. act. Or if he eats something that is very counter counteractive to the ASD, um, I can tell then. But mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things that I think if this is something that's going to help my child, why would I not want to do it? Um, and I know that there's a lot of stigma behind taking medication with neurodivergent children or people in general. And I think it's important to know that the medication has made leaps and bounds and not all medication is addictive, right? I'm right. not addicted to medication be- No, because it doesn't stay in his system. It's and so I would just encourage anyone who's struggling of, do I get my child on medication? Research it, talk to your doctor, yeah. talk to the psychologist. They're there to help. Like they don't want, you know, not all people want to just medic, put medication in everyone. Like I'm a nice. pretty, I, I, we don't do a lot of medication like a Tylenol. We just don't do that you know our kids have a low-grade fever I think it's important that they sweat it out and build immunity now if the fever was 103 obviously my, or anything over 101 I'd give my child motrin or Tylenol or if they're in pain but you know I think it's just so important to know that if this is something that can help your child why would you not you right wanna, it's it's not anything different than diabetes or any other um, sickness that you give your body medication for. So that's, that's my take on that, but we ended up getting him diagnosed and it's been really helpful for us. And that concludes this week's
1: episode. I trust you found mine and Jocelyn's exploration into the world of parenting neurodivergent children, both enlightening and engaging. But here's the exciting part. We're not done just yet. The discussion continues as we delve even deeper into our experiences and address the questions that matter most to you, our listeners. So be sure to join me again next week when I wrap up with Jocelyn in a continuation of this meaningful conversation. Until then, take care and keep those questions coming. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, threads, join our Facebook group and leave us a five-star review. Bye.